When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. of podcast network but not from heads up studios welcome to motherfucker the quarantine sessions a podcast of words irish irish words and words from Ireland. i am tara crochet i'm claudia mcginley <laughs> well, <laughs> i think <laughs> it's quarantine brain <laughs> it is i have a bit of quarantine brain as well um i've i found now i've been referring to my wife my daughter by the wrong names and aaron's been calling myself an art by the wrong names so even though we're you know, there's only 40 years of a difference between us. Um, no, that happens in my family all the time as well. And it's always a little bit horrifying when my dad calls me Paula. I'm like, Christ, <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> it's it's gas, but I think people, I mean, like it's, um, there's the, the, the whole experience of quarantine has, has been having effects on people. No, no, no one's done it before. No one really knows where we're going. And it's having effects on people. And you and I thought before we were, we were came before we came on air, we were talking about the idea that uh, this is this is really really new stuff that's coming along. Scientific vocabulary tends to be very similar across languages because it moves so quickly. Uh, it, it's not being it's not being passed, you know, it's not being passed colloquially the way kind of um, the way other words the way the way kind of teenage slang would, would work can be passed down um the actual coronavirus word and covid and some, some people are calling it covid and some people are calling it coronavirus but how is this all happening in irish how are these terms yeah. coming up in irish it is really interesting i mean it's interesting to see how much more specific the irish words are to irish than say different languages like the french for social distancing is distantation, I think, social, something along those lines. Anyway, it's very similar to social distancing in English, but in Irish, social distancing is scara sociota, or I've also seen squitcha sociota. Squitcha sociota. Yeah, I've seen squitcha sociota, I think, mainly in articles around and about the place. Mm -hmm. Um, But scara sociota, I think, might be the official term. I could be wrong about that. Um, Both work, though, obviously. But scara is a much more... um, I think it's a much more visceral term because scara can mean kind of like disconnected, completely kind of like cut off. Whereas like distance is just kind of like, eh, you know, they're over there, they're still there, but like it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. That's right. And I suppose we've had, um, 
kinds of exile before in, in Irish literature, the idea of, of people being kicked out, and, you know, bar, bards being kicked, you know, after the uh, fire of the earls, kind of, and there's, um, you know, poets no, no longer being connected from high society and, and people being sent to live on, people going to live on islands and being disconnected. And so the idea of, of, of social distancing, there probably are precedents in our poetry and our literature. There probably are, and I'm pretty sure Elon on quarantine is the Irish for Alice Island, um, which literally means quarantine island. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. Like it goes a long way back in our own in our own history. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that we don't actually have Alice Osquelaga. I'm sure there is a translation of the name Alice or the surname Alice or whatever Osquelaga. <laughs> but Elon on quarantine is the According to Logan and Dottie, anyway, is the um, is the Irish for Alice Island? Fun that's, fact. That's fascinating. And nobody nobody thought to call it Eilish Island or Elon Eilish. Yeah, no, you would think, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd think that, but that's that's extraordinary because I suppose I suppose people did go through it, and, and the whole concept of quarantining started in Venice, I think, and it meant to refer to the forty days that a ship had to stay if it was. Like I think it can be a constant time for forty, but yeah. There's some people who are saying that, you know, you can tell a little bit, are you, a, some people say COVID, some people say coronavirus, some people say um, SARS, COVID, or the you know, and they... My and, God, yeah, and, they go the whole hog. And some, and it's it's funny how it was, I'm, I'm not sure if these different vocabularies necessarily represent kind of points of view, as long as people aren't, you know, being ignorant and calling it like the Chinese virus, like a certain, certain yes. politician who we really don't like to talk about in the show. No, no, we actively avoid that ugly orange face, thankfully. It's terrifying to think that doesn't actually narrow it down these days. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It really is. God. Um, the whole, whole feckin' world. But at least, you know, distractions are always valuable. And I think people have really noticed the value of the arts and of kind of literature of leisure and like hopefully podcasts and how creativity is helping people through this time and people have been taking it to material for comfort but also have been open to finding new things and it just so happens that you've you have been working away on something long before this started but it's um i'd like to think maybe a lot of people now if they were looking for some good bilingual content our cloda has just the thing that was a very elegant segue i have to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i basically I had an idea. I had the idea actually a long time, not a long time, but at least I'd say two months before it actually started to do a bilingual zine. Um, and I decided to bite the bullet and get it going last October, I believe. And um, it's been, yeah, it's been really, really good. I have to say I'm really thrilled that people enjoy it and they get some kind of value out of it as well because... I think it is quite difficult to come by bilingual content that isn't um, maybe educationally based or educationally mm-hmm. founded. Um, and there's nothing wrong whatsoever, obviously, with school resources and um, educational resources. But I think it's nice to have a slightly more current resource to fall back on if you're looking for, for bilingual things. And also if you find it a bit intimidating to step into a language, completely immerse yourself in it. Obviously, immersion is the best way forward if you want to be really, really fluent in a language. But I think maybe people forget that not everybody wants to be completely and utterly perfectly fluent. And that some people, they genuinely do just enjoy little random words here and there or a bit of wordplay. Or they just get a bit frightened, I think, as well, by the immersiveness of it. And 
I think also the whole online thing with languages in general has really helped people who it wouldn't be maybe in their nature to go out and talk to a stranger in their uh, language they're learning or anything like that. Um, I think social media has been a huge, huge help that way. Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't have had the idea for zine without social media. So it really did stem from that, I think. I think so. And I'm going to go, go full dad here and say, um, <laughs> what is a zine? A zine is, it's kind of complicated. A zine is fundamentally um, a kind of a body of work that's very organically produced. And it's often done in the form of a mini magazine, I guess. They started way, way back in the 1950s and 60s and they were kind of treated then more as, I suppose you could say manifestos for different causes and for various things. Like there were loads of punk scenes back in the day and loads of things along those lines um and they'd all be done very organically with a photocopier maybe not even with a photocopier because obviously photocopiers weren't as prevalent back in those days um Mm. but the whole zine format has actually lived for a very long time and really in my opinion zines walked so twitter could run that is the hill that i choose to die on there would be no (laughs) twitter or no like social media in general really without things like zines and blogs definitely would not exist without things like zines, in my opinion, because they were the first really kind of homegrown version of, I suppose, like news sources or kind of connecting with people and that kind of thing, or like getting your voice out there. I mean, the only way to get your voice out there back in the 1950s or 60s would have been to write a letter to a newspaper or go on a radio show, maybe, or mm. stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I say all this too as like a 24-year-old who did not <laughs> live in those times. So if you happen to have lived back in the 1950s and 60s and you somehow managed to get your voice out there somehow, and I'm not naming how, then don't mm. shoot me. But yeah, yeah it's me- very interesting. My memory of zines was very much in the, the punk and indie kind of fanzines. They were they were actually yeah, often called, and they were it was it was the idea was that there was fan communities, and particularly for if you were interested in music that wasn't going to be on top of the pops, the idea was that the whole concept of things like alternative music, and was the idea was that you could you often a person would only be the only person in their school who might like a particular band, but they could find things of a zine like that when it was in a, a record shop. Um, Near the till was a way of, of connecting with kind of a, a, a community. Was that so? Was that so? It was kind of a de- democratized publishing, a kind of a and usually with with a specific agenda. And these your zine is is basically is a PDF that's emailed to subscribers. It is. It's emailed to subscribers and then it's posted on social media later that day. So if you're on the mailing list, you get first access. Um, so strictly speaking. My zine, it wouldn't fall under the category of like a traditional photocopy to staple together, blah, 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 mm-hmm. zine. And it's not particularly underground at one level. Um, I mean, it is a bit of a niche interest, I think. I mean, Irish language and stuff, it's obviously not known absolutely across the world. So it's not not underground, but it's not <laughs> as underground as like mm-hmm. a random indie band or punk band in the 1970s. Um but it just kind of seemed like a good idea, I think, at the time. Um, and I know that zines aren't exactly the, they're not the big thing right now. I mean, like a lot of people have podcasts, which is absolutely fantastic. And podcasts are really, like, it's really brilliant to see them and how they've taken off. And obviously 
we're speaking on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, so like it's really, it really is fantastic to see how they've taken off. Um, but I think with a zine, there can be a slightly more, um, not even sure what the right word is, maybe a slightly more intimate slightly more you can kind of go wherever you want to go with a zine at one level because you're kind of you make it and you're not really talking to anybody else at the time so you're not really kind of like you're not kind of filtering anything it's only after you put it out that you maybe realize like okay maybe that was a little bit outlandish or something not that I've covered anything in zines so far that's been particularly like controversial or anything but I think <laughs> with a lot of zines <laughs> they can you can kind of print whatever you want. And I think there's something quite liberating about that. Um, and I think too, particularly in this day and age, specifically during coronavirus and quarantine and everything else, there have been so many articles in newspapers and God knows what about like what various celebrities are doing during quarantine and blah de blah and how they're all locked up in their mansions and <laughs> I'm definitely not bitter at all <laughs> wow. but I guess it can get kind of frustrating when you hear like the nine millionth celebrity who goes for a walk every day and blah 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 and like why is their opinion so much more important than the person next to them on the street like it just it never made sense to me in general but I think particularly in this time yeah. I think it's really shown me anyway how important it is to just ask anyone that you meet around the place like what their thoughts on something are um, and how interesting that can prove to be and how much more insightful oftentimes that can be as well yeah I think it's a, it's a lovely space to do it I'm just going to give our um, our listeners a taste of see I'm just looking at, uh, at the 10th issue here and zine da changuch two tongues one zine you want to explain that little uh, gag to our um, to listeners yeah, no, it's very funny. I think some people, they get confused on the name and they think that it's called um, Zine Two Tongues or Zine Da Hyangok, which like it can't be. I mean, like you can call it whatever you want to call it. I call it Zine. It's just Zine. The tagline is Two Tongues, One Zine um, because Da Hyangok is the Irish for bilingual and obviously bilingual stems from like two tongues and the whole mother tongue thing of having a language a primary language and stuff so that was meant to be a pun on that and obviously zine um z-i-n isn't the most distinctive name for social media so the name that i use in social media is zine two tongues mm -hmm. so i can see why people call it zine two tongues um but yeah it was meant to be a kind of a pun on that kind of thing Excellent. And the, 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 just in this um, in issue 10 is in front of me you've got you open with a bilingual interview and then it's the next one, which is not easy to read with uh, two or two and a half pages or so. Then a Gal of Trikelga, the Irish language interview. Then there's some poetry, then some art. And then you've got uh, you've got a glossary at the back and sunry Jagal as well. So it's um I guess it's a okay, the amount of pages altogether we would say we are looking at a um eight page eight page it, it, readable easily readable and like which which a person can actually make time for some people might might find there's some bilingual irish language content easy if, if someone was dipping in this is a this is a great way to do it and there's enough there to kind of um if someone was just going to start with the bilingual interview and rent the and the glossary and then they could go back to the irish language part and That's the anyway, and push yeah. through. i think so and it's a uh, yeah and so it's a wonderful combination of having the poetry and having the um and the artwork and the interviews and the actual design um the actual design of the zine itself is just really gorgeous 
Thank you. That's lovely. Thank you very, very much. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I guess with the bilingual interview, I think that was probably the kind of the anchor point, I guess, for the whole zine. Um, in the sense that I guess that that's the kind of the unique thing about it is that you basically you have the interview and there are kind of Irish words dotted throughout the interview. And I guess it's kind of like a glorified fill in the blanks <laughs> in a way, in the sense yeah. that you try and figure out what the word means based on the um, based on the context. And hopefully then that will kind of stick in your brain a little bit better. And there's a glossary then at the back of the zine. So you can kind of check your check your own answers, I suppose. Um, yeah, and like we try to, we try, I try, I'm a one woman band. <laughs> <laughs> I try to cover as many um, topics as possible. And there's really no topic that like I wouldn't be happy to discuss. I mean, we've had a very broad range of people um, that I've spoken to for Zine. I mean, we've had artists, we've had like, it, it, you don't even have to be anyone if that makes any sense. You could, it doesn't matter. Like if you have a connection with the Irish language, that's enough. Or if you have an interest with the Irish language, that's enough. And I would really like to see that kind of encouraged going forward even more, even in like yeah. mainstream media and that kind of thing. I just think that it's so important to be a source of encouragement, not a source of limitation and exclusivity and everything else. And all those horrible things that people tend to associate with the Irish language from time to time, which aren't actually true a lot of the time. <laughs> but you have a very loud minority who can be very crap <laughs> listen i mean you know i think the things I've, I've my i've my thinking and the whole my loud minority thing has uh has evolved recently recently a um well-known rt broadcaster made a comment about people having math math phobia or maths phobia being scared of mathematics because because of ways it's taught and things like that and this person was corrected by avini sullivan the physicist and and gilgore from i think she's from mayo online the idea that saying perpetuating the idea that math is hard and or that people have a natural black for it is just really unhelpful and the idea that once you get these ideas in your head that actually yeah so that or oh, there's um the minority think this or that once once people get a, get an idea in their head that they can justify their non-engagement with something that's maybe useful for them it's uh that's 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 a that's always false promises i think no for sure as well but, but yeah I was, I was just thinking that there recently but it was um You've had some really lovely guests on your. Uh, when I say guests, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking I'm in podcast vocabulary. Oh yeah, You've no, I mean they totally are. They are. They're yeah. guests. They are guests. <laughs> in, interviewees and contributors, including and some somebody I've, I've been hoping we might get on the show ourselves. Um, young Ailish Nikkei. Yes, indeed. Ailish is just fantastic. Remarkable, she remarkable young person. Uh, She's 16. What the hell, Ailish, if you're listening? Like, I was probably in my room, like, just staring at Lady Gaga, like, incessantly <laughs> when I was 16. Like, <laughs> it's Whereas just, yeah. Ailish is studying physics, maths, and doing Irish in the business levels, and also doing Mandarin and German at, like, sub supplementary to actual A-levels. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and just and, and but you got we found her in the context of creating Geltober. Exactly. That is really what Ailish is famous for on Guelga Twitter. And um yeah, and I think she's just really she's a perfect example of why you don't necessarily need to have this kind of like really heavy Guelgor background or anything like that, or any kind of background for anything at all in life mm -hmm. to kind of even just dip your toe in the water or why it's so not helpful to perpetuate the idea as you were saying that you can't do something and that you the whole maths phobia thing 
You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that was definitely something that was around when I was in school too. And it was just never, ever helpful. It really, really wasn't. And I mean, obviously we all have natural inclinations and we're all good and bad at certain things naturally. And that's always going to be the way. Yeah. But I think really, not to get very cheesy, but like one of the most important things to learn from life is that like there are so many learnable skills and teachable skills out there that you just, you have no idea how much you can actually learn if you just learn and you just make a point of learning and teaching yourself. It's just, it's so valuable. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, um, I think the the idea that, you know, there's that focusing on things that you, you, you believe you're interested in or that thing that come easily. I find that, you know, even like something like the journey into studying Irish language has, has, led me to other interests as well it's connected to me to other things like the the whole business of kind of how a dictionary is built and made and those decisions that are made it has i've become fascinated by those kind of processes as well as how the search for certain vocabulary has led me into wormholes about you know about nautical terminology and how the how the construction of something like wikipedia is done and yeah you you find that, say, stunning one thing, I think Confucius said to contemplate a blade of grass, to contemplate eternity. And the idea that that's getting really into one thing makes you, inevitably leads you to getting getting interested in other things through that channel. Exactly, exactly. And I think particularly with a language, I mean, ultimately a language is a medium. So mm-hmm. it's it's going to lead you elsewhere, inevitably. You're going to end up discussing things you would never have discussed otherwise. And you're going to end up, as you say, learning new words which will lead you to x y and z and it just it never ends and it's just it truly is so valuable and um and it is such a pity to see so many people kind of closed off to it but it's also fantastic that on social media to see that kind of stereotype or that kind of like way of thinking being um being refuted i guess yeah i think uh, i think the like i find that twitter has been very good for the harsh language and tiktok has been very good for your other love harsh dancing Yes, my God, TikTok has been phenomenal for Irish dancing. And it's literally just in the last kind of like month that it's like properly exploded. I mean, there have been Irish dancers on TikTok for a long, long time, like since mm-hmm. the app started. But really, I think Morgan um, in the States, who we've all seen dancing to the Beyonce remix of Savage, like it was just, it was fantastic, really, really and truly. And I think it's yeah. yeah it, 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 it was extraordinary. I think I think like she was invited by Leah Radcar to the next St. Patrick's Day. Bill Whelan saw it and invited her to be in Riverdance. And exactly, it, yeah. like it's it's just fantastic, and it's just it's all these kind of like mini revitalizations are what are so important for like anything to kind of continue and to see Irish dancing being kind of included in TikTok or on TikTok rather is just fantastic because you do you see so many tiktok dances and you see so many kind of like samey people and everything else and um and i think tiktok is so underrated that way i think a lot of people really hate tiktok for like no good reason because they see it as a younger person's app and Mm -hmm. blah 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 but like it is just fantastic i mean the hashtag irish i mean the last time that i did them with a folklore account on twitter before christmas Mm -hmm. or was it after christmas no it was a little bit after christmas in january i think yeah it had it had like 8 million views. The hashtag Guelga on TikTok had 8 million views. Mm-hmm. And then one of our recent curators, Leah Nivarik, who was also fantastic, by the way. Hello, Leah, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, Leah. She, she, um, she tweeted, I think, saying that it had, I think it was 18 million views 
which mm. is, I mean, that's phenomenal. In the space of like literally a month, it's gotten 10 million views. If you go onto Instagram, mm. the hashtag Gwaga, I don't even think it has like 500,000 views. Ooh. Like it's just, it's, yeah, it's truly phenomenal. The, I think the one thing is that if you like a TikTok, like that famous, that, that, that um, dairy girl in the bog with her father getting turf. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> if you like a TikTok, you watch it about 60 times. Yeah, that's actually really true. I mean, it's quite like Vine that way in the sense that there's mm. going to be some kind of like classic TikToks, I guess, in the future that we're going to turn back to <laughs> if TikTok ever does go under the way that Vine did. Rest I think, in peace. I think they learned from Vine. I think the actual owner of Vine was just, you know, um, when he sold it and he was he was so regretful of, you know, the, the quick book idea. And I think, yeah, the, something like that now, it, there, the similarities of Vine are so strong that you'd like to think... It's, this is a situation where the second mouse gets the cheese. Um, it is really true. It is. It's kind of like it must be a little bit sickening at one level for the owner of Vine, the original owner of Vine, to see how TikTok have learned from their mistakes so well mm-hmm. and to see how well TikTok is flourishing and everything. And I mean, it hasn't been without its issues, obviously. And I mean, it's owned by like it's a Chinese owned thing. So it's not exactly mm. um, ideal. But <laughs> it's grand, though. Like, I think we this, all give out our data all the time? <laughs> it's, it's, I think that it's interesting now, I suppose. We're seeing more and more, I suppose, that the actual... Um, it used to be a case that maybe Chinese businesses made things for Western companies and the Western brand was up front. And now we're seeing more kind of, of, of between Wish and TikTok and Alibaba, seeing more actual kind of, yeah, kind of Chinese brand brand companies like actually having their um being more confidently asserting their their identity absolutely yeah i mean it's it's really interesting how china that kind of product from china has gone from kind of like dodgy wholesale to like people buying very very good dupes for products or Mm -hmm. if you're a content creator and you want to get merch made a lot of people go to alibaba and get it made there which is debatable because of Oh, the fuel it takes to get things from China to here, but it's a whole conversation for a different day. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, yeah, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And I know, I suppose there's, um, I'm hoping before the quarantine sessions are out to do um, an episode about Irish books that have been translated to Chinese. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's been a few out there that, that literature are on support, certain wow. translations both ways. And I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to find a few translators of popular Irish and when I say Irish I mean from Ireland as well as actual Irish language but it's something that I want to I really want to know how people express you know terms that we, we would use that you know Hiberno English as well as Irish how these For things sure. are represented in other languages but I was very interested to see that if there's um I think Calm Tobin is one of the writers who's been translated into Mandarin that's incredible isn't it like it just really to think is. of it and yeah. it's so I would love to know as well how just how Mandarin as a language is structured and how it kind of like how the nuances of it because it's just such a different language I mean like it's they have so many different things to do with like intonation and there are different words that are the like exact same words on paper but the way that you say them like it's it's really fascinating like it's mm. really it's really really interesting and there's something else and since, since the last time you've been on the show Claude just to say um just say again the um you were on one of my favorite podcasts you were a guest on Jennifer Quigley's show I love this band Yes, I was. Yes, I, yeah, I effectively badgered Jennifer. Until she, <laughs> Jenny, sorry. Until mm. she let me talk about Lady Gaga. It's not entirely true. I wasn't quite that bad. Mm. But um, yeah, no, that was really, really good fun. 
And um, Jenny is a fantastic host and interviewer and does like really, really good research. Like I was so shocked at how much she knew about Gaga. I was like, wow, like there was stuff that even I wouldn't have, like I knew it, but I wouldn't have thought to bring it up in conversation. So absolutely kudos to Jenny about that. Yeah, she's just, I love her, her, the introductions she does and as well as her kind of very, um, her very kind of uh, easy, easy, easy kind of um, interviewing style. And that's the research. It's just, um, it's a wonderful show. I love this band, and you have uh, obviously a, a, um, a long interest in Lady Gaga. And it's, it was really, it, it was just great to hear you both talk about it and go go beyond kind of things like the meat dress and all the other kind of stupid things and talk about how you know the actual her attention to detail as an artist and her legacy. Yeah, no, and it's going to be a long one. It really, really is. Her new album is out actually on the mm. 29th of May. Fun fact for you. So that should be interesting. But um. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's been really fascinating to see it. And again, like Jenny was just so fantastic at all of the research that she did for the episode. And I think just the kind of really like nuanced stuff that you wouldn't really get on other podcasts, I would find, to be honest. Like it's mm. a very underrated podcast. I love this band. So definitely go and listen to it. Yeah, definitely. It definitely deserves a good push. And she has one of the greatest host voice podcast host voices in Ireland. And yes. we have, we've, we've got some we have some great podcast hosts with some very um very euphonic and dulcet tones, but I think she's right up there top. Absolutely, absolutely. Euphonic is a fantastic word. It's a great word. It's very underused. It really is. It's a really um, it's a really illustrative word. I really like it. <laughs> and so, tell us, who are you hoping to get next uh, to talk to on your zine? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, obviously, the absolute dream would be like Lady Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I will talk to anyone, everyone. Like, I really think that it's just so, like, in my opinion, it's just so underrated to just talk to whoever kind of like comes your way, if that makes sense. I mean, like, I know it's a very commonly done thing for a lot of people, but I think, I think particularly in Ireland, and I don't intend this to be like shady or anything along those lines. Mm. It can be quite common that a very small circle of people are kind of like recycled over and over again for things like interviews and for mm-hmm. appearances and places and stuff. And you just get so fed up. You're like, my God, <laughs> like it's I just... already know. I practically live with you. I know so much about you. So I think um, I, yeah, as I say, I will talk to absolutely anybody and everybody. And I... Yeah, I mean, Zine is on a short break for the time being, just while I get content together for the next, hopefully, 10 Agron or issues. Um, mm. But I think for the next while on Twitter, anyway, I'll be going through highlights from previous Agron. Mm. And um, yeah, I think there are plenty as well, to be honest. I mean, there have been some really, really brilliant pieces that people have written as well. I mean, like one that springs to mind was by Keelan Gallagher. Um, about his brother who is autistic and it was just a really really moving piece and it was really fantastic and to have these people share these kind of stories has just been very um, again without meaning to be cheesy it's been quite the privilege I have to say that people would take the time to write those kinds of things for a humble old zine well, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal achievement and absolutely yeah, bear boo, ah, more and all of, and every other uh, word of encouragement to that club. Um, Mila. And also, just to say as well, Zine absolutely would not exist without the Irish Four and without you and everything else because you were absolutely the first person to kind of like 
I don't know, like to kind of like establish that the kind of like online well talk if that makes any sense, if you mm. know what I mean. Well, so. I was I was I was very lucky that when I when I when I stumbled into the the community of of, um, of people with a with with the graph for for the for the language, and I was I was very lucky that I went up at the time I started the Irish Four. There was a lot of amazing stuff right there, and people were so supportive of me. And you got to support, pass that support on. And when you get that kind of advice, encouragement, and you, you can only borrow it, you got to give it right back next time someone else comes comes along and needs it. And that's the only way the world can work well. That is very very true. It's a very very valuable lesson and it will absolutely catch up on you if you don't pass along the <laughs> <laughs> I think we've even <laughs> on <that> terrifying <laughs> note <laughs> yeah someone will wake up the next morning with like a dead horse head in their bed or something for like not retweeting you that's an impressively uh, throwback reference for uh, for a 24 year old who I suppose is very well known I was just thinking it is very well known I've never seen it but I've seen that scene so I was just thinking it's like uh, I'm just, uh, we're going to wrap up after this but Baby Shark. Obviously, my children enjoy Baby Shark. It opens with a, uh, a musical reference to Jaws. It goes do da da da. And I was thinking, by the time the kids who who enjoy Baby Shark now are old enough to watch Jaws, it's going to be over a half a century old. It's going to be like, um, yeah, you just you think of kind of films, films that are that old now. It's it's like very very few of them survive. It's, I'd say there's maybe like. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be very interested to know if when, when La Serena and Art are teenagers and are old enough to watch a film like Jaws, will they be interested in seeing a film that old, that, that far back? Like Spielberg yeah. is already no longer in the, no longer has any films as a director in the top 10 films of all time. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, or like in the next 20 years, kind of our, our entire perception of the kind of, the, the, American 1970s cinematic renaissance is already changing with the way we look back and on the 90s um, in indie renaissance as well is changing because of things like Me Too and a lot of these people who are hugely significant figures at the time are completely cancelled and rightly so. It'd be very interesting it's to see. It's very, yeah. It's, it's very, very true. I mean, like I know there are certain films that are a bit older than 50 years old right now, but like when I think back to films that are kind of that maybe will be kind of like of the like half decade or not half decade, half century mark. I think of things like Casablanca and like mm. that kind of thing. And those really kind of like old Hollywood, like old Hollywood by the time that your kids are my age, say, for instance, old Hollywood's going to be like ancient history Hollywood. Like mm. it's, it's really, it's bizarre to think of it that way. Um, and yeah, I didn't notice the baby shark Jaws reference at all until you pointed it out on Twitter <laughs> the other day, which is it's very, very well spotted. And baby shark has lasted a long time too. Baby shark's been around for a while now, like at least three years, I feel. Mm, that's, that's a long time on the internet. I suppose this is the thing. It's uh, the um, more and more, um, more and more of these breakthrough kind of internet successes are, aren't actually English language content between like Psy, obviously the, the K-pop, um, Baby Shark is obviously Korean, and an awful lot of um, of popular culture is coming from Korea. And then just be throw in this with like um, Despacito being the head of last summer, you're finding that like more and more now the 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 proportion of um, non English language content that's actually breaking through to the top forties, to the top tens, to these um, viral lists is changing the our entire concept of of an English-speaking world. 
is it is being yeah. challenged. It really, really is, and that kind of like that links back to our previous topic of the whole um, Chinese product and Chinese everything mm. coming into the Western world, I guess, and the whole point of like Alibaba becoming not so much like a dodgy wholesale thing as much as a actual mainstream thing that like so mm-hmm. much of Asian culture and Korean culture, as you say, like K-pop and everything. I mean, K-pop has exploded in recent times. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's bizarre at one level, but like I suppose maybe it was bound to happen at the next level, I guess, that we kind of ran out of, we ran out of new things, I think, at one level. Yeah, I think, well, this is the thing. I think that, that it's, it's gotten to a point where... Um, a huge amount of popular culture, I suppose, is in some ways kind of, you know, there's control, there's a there's a subtext between things like there was a subtext to the British invasion in the in the nineteen sixties. There was um there was subtext to, you know, the um I think when they found out when they in the early nineties when they found when they started electronically measuring chart music and they realized that rap music had been significantly underrepresented in the charts. There was a subtext to that too, the fact that, you know, there were agendas in who people were being told was was the biggest star in the world and that mm. these things weren't the same. And it seems as people get more information and actually get more facts and stuff, you get a, a more accurate representation that things aren't, like, things aren't as uh, as monoglot and anglophone as we've been led to believe. No, not at all. And that's a very, um, that's a very optimistic lens i guess for the irish language too going forward in the sense that it really like i mean it's not even that it has a chance i mean like it's here it's very much here but like it can at one level only really improve as time goes on um especially when you see the kind of like what catches on online it really is amazing to see like things that you would never have really thought of 20 years ago or 10 years ago even five years ago um You'd never have imagined things catching on, but you just don't know. You just have no idea really where the future will go in that sense. That's for sure. Claudia, thank you as always for joining us. Thank you for having me. Do you have anything apart from your zine to plug at the moment before we wrap up? <laughs> mm. God, I feel I there was actually an an outro that I did for an episode ages ago and somebody <laughs> even messaged me saying oh that was very great there now that you got that plug in I was like it wasn't my idea I'm always asked do I want to plug anything I'm not a horrible egotist if anybody um, thinks I am but know. I will plug my Instagram I will it's it's Photo, C-L-O-D-A-F-O-T-O it's all bilingual and I've been doing kind of like I guess like Quotestagram, if that makes sense lately, if that's even a thing. I think Quotestagram is actually a hashtag on Instagram. Oh. Um, but it's it's that kind of thing. That's been what I've been doing lately. So you might enjoy it. You might not. I don't know. I and if you right. want to submit to Zine, it's yes. Z-I-N dot submit at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch about anything. And it's Zine Two Tongues, all one word, on Twitter. So Okay, so that's zin.submit dot submit at gmail.com if you want to if you want to contribute to Clodo's wonderful scene. Thank you. Okay. So until the next time, it's a slant from me. And a slant from me. Ihua. Thanks, Kirsten. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Brian's going to be delighted.